name share. I'm Marilyn, and I'm a grateful member of Al-Anon. And I guess I need to start with a little bit about myself. I'm one of four children. I have three brothers. And um, in our home, we never experienced alcohol. Um, parties, holidays, nothing revolved around having alcohol. My folks had it in the house once in a while, and once in a while they'd dust off the bottle and, you know, they'd give somebody a, a drink. And so I never really, really grew up with it. And um, my first experience with it was we were visiting my grandparents, and, and it was Christmas, Christmas Day, and I must have been about 13 years old. And it was Christmas evening, and we were driving down Main Street. It was a small town, Mile City, and we were driving down Main Street. And my grandma and my folks are going, oh, well, there's Scotty, who was my uncle um, by marriage. And they go, yep, that looks like Scotty, doesn't it? Here is this drunk holding on to the wall, you know, trying to make it down the street on Christmas Day. And to me, that's what an alcoholic was, was somebody who slept in the parks and and did all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I just thought, whoa, you know, I, I just didn't understand it. So then I got in high school, and I was very, very fortunate. I grew up with a group of about five of us girls that went from grade school all the way through high school, and I tried this stuff, and it didn't taste good, and I didn't think it was worth it. So we didn't really have to go out and party. We had a good time. We could go to parties where they had it, but I didn't have to get drunk. It wasn't a big thing. So, you know, it just was never really a big part of my life. So we moved here, and I was in college, and, um, you know, that mentality, you're going to meet your husband in college. <laughs> and so I took a dance class. And I met Paul in dance class. Now that sounds like a good place to meet a husband. It's not in a bar or any other trashy place. It's school, so how can you go wrong? And we'd go out dancing. And that was great, but you had to go to the bars to go dancing here in Casper. There's really no other place to go dancing. So we'd go to the bars, and I used to tease them what a cheap date I was, because I could nurse one beer the whole night through you'd only have to buy one and sit in front of me all night and it didn't seem to bother me that he had to have more than that it just that's what you did when you were in college and it was okay so I didn't have a problem with that we dated for about four years before we got married and um, I still didn't see that there was a problem and I today when I was thinking about what I was going to say I thought Maybe that's because I didn't really have a background in it. I didn't know what I was looking for because he wasn't, you know, leaning against the wall someplace trying to crawl out. So um, maybe my first wake-up clue should have been um, he came to our wedding just, I mean, barely able to make it down the, you know, aisle back with me. <laughs> and I just thought, oh, well, that's nerves, you know, me being the great... I didn't know I was an Al-Anon in training. I could come up with an excuse for everything. And um, so I just thought, oh, here we are, the happy couple. We have everything everything going for us. And we did. We had bought a house, and we were both working, and things were, were going pretty good. And I thought, oh, I'm going to be the good little, good little housewife. And so I'd make these big dinners, and he'd come home, and, oh, well, he'd rather have a beer. And I thought, well, okay, he doesn't like to eat. Well, he's skinny, he just doesn't like to eat. So 
no clue again. And I, uh, I started um, drifting away. I thought, well, if he's not going to eat, there's no point cooking at home. I'll just, you know, I, my folks still live here, and I'm really close with them. And so I thought, well, I'll just hang out with them. I'll just, you know, go have dinner with them. And so he'd show up at home when he'd show up, and I'd show up home, you know, and we both kind of did our own thing. Well, finally, um, I was expecting my first child, and um, I thought, whoa, all of a sudden we're going to be a family. This is a little different here. We, I decided in my controlling Al-Anon manner that we got to get our life together here. We're going to be a good family here. So I thought, well, maybe he drinks a little too much. And his sister had, oh, probably about two years before that, given me the little blue Al-Anon book. And I thought, what is this for? And she goes, you're going to need it. And it's like, oh, you're way off base here. You have no clue. You don't live here. You don't know. So anyway, um, Paul went, I went with Paul to a couple meetings. And I thought, oh, we're well on our way. He can go to a meeting and we're going to have this all fixed up. This, this will work out really good. And then when the baby comes, he won't drink anymore and things will be wonderful. <laughs> It had all planned out, my great plan. And um, so, well, tried it and it didn't really work, but that was okay because we had this new baby and life was wonderful and I was wrapped up into myself and everything, so it, it didn't matter. But the, the consumption started getting more. And uh, Paul was always at home. He was never out at the bars. So that's another reason I guess I didn't think we had a problem because... He was at home. What more can you ask for? Here's your husband, and he's at home, and he's there on time, and things are great. What, what more can you want? But then I became a can, can counter. You know, it's when you got the garbage can for garbage and the garbage can for cans. And I start counting the cans, and that's about the time my obsession started. It's like, oh, wow. Do you know how many? Do you know how? And this is when I can start remembering that voice, that ugly voice that I would give to him. In the, Do you know how many you had? Do you know da 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 da? And then it started getting difficult for him to get up in the morning. And this started the big, the big cycle. The cycle of you stay up, you don't come to bed, you don't want to get up, and so. Me and my, you know, controlling thing didn't want everybody to know this, so there I'd be, pregnant again, nine months pregnant, out there shoveling the walks, laying out his clothes, down to putting everything in the pockets so by the time I'd finally get him out of bed, he'd be ready to go and nobody'd know any difference, you know. I mean, how crazy can you get? You know, I'm starting his van, shoveling the windows off, everything. So all he had to do was, you know, just finally make it out. I, I don't know of anybody that can be much more of an enabler than that. <laughs> so then when we get the phone calls, well, where is he? Oh, 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 he's, he's on his way. It's, it's doing good. He's on his way. But um, things weren't going real well at work. He's kind of self-employed, and it just, um, like I said, I was pregnant with my second one, and the consumption and the insanity just got to... A horrible, horrible, horrible level to the point where um, I didn't know if if I could handle it. And um, one morning I woke up 
and I went into the bathroom and I saw all this blood all over and I thought, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And I run into the bedroom to see if he's alive. I mean, there was just so much. I thought, oh my God. I pulled the pillow away and he had shaved his whole head. And I just thought, oh, what do I do now? I was totally lost. I had never dealt with anything like this in my life or even knew anybody who had dealt with anything like this. I've got these two babies and and this to deal with and I thought what do I do? And uh, at that point of course the financial end catches up with you too. So we're, we're you know, uh, and that's at the point where like I said I'm really close with my family and they're like what are you doing in this relationship? We'll help you get out, leave, do what you have to do, move home, we'll help you. And so here's this person that you love dearly and is hurting, and you're just torn. What do I do? Because they're telling you, you know, they've never dealt with that insanity. They they don't understand. I didn't understand that it was a, it was a disease. And so I just... Um, we were going to renovate a house and they told us, well, it's going to take you probably six months or more to sell your house. And so go ahead and put it on the market. And we thought, well, that'll give us time to get this other house ready to move into and all this. And it sold the first day. And so now the other house is nowhere close to being done. Well, we move in with my parents. And this was his choice too. This made the, the most sense. But it makes it a lot more difficult to hide from everybody what's going on when you're living under their roof. And so I was the buffer. I was the let's make everything okay. No, don't drink anymore. Don't drink anymore. You know, come on, come on, come on. You know, my dad's going to work. You got to be going too. You know, and it was so hard. I was just. I was so stressed out. I was I was just sick all the time. You know what? What do you do? And um, so I became pregnant again. So we're expecting our third. And I'm thinking by this time I really need to do something. So when we moved out of my parents' house and we got in our house, I thought, okay, I you know I've got to I've got to go to Al-Anon. Uh, some night when he's doing really good, I'll leave the kids with him and I'll, I'll go check this out. Well, you know, it's real difficult to leave babies with somebody that, you know, is on their second six-pack or their third six-pack, and you're thinking, well, I really don't think I'll leave my babies tonight. Tomorrow night. I'll find a meeting tomorrow night. And um, so finally the fighting, I was just... I'm a quick-to-anger person, and I tend to be very vocal when I'm stressed out and I'm in a corner and I don't know what to do. And so the screaming and the ranting and the raving and everything had just escalated. And um, one morning I just had had so much, I didn't know what to do, and I went out the door, and I slammed it so hard the glass just exploded. And my in-laws pull up. And I thought, oh God, you know, and here I have a four-year-old out there trying to pick up the glass for mommy because he's so afraid of mommy. And I looked at that and I knew that I had a problem. 
that it had gone beyond just um, his drinking, that I had a problem and I had to do something. So um, my in-laws, of course, had seen this, and they said, well, we'll watch the kids for you. So I had them watch the kids, and I'd go to some Al-Anon meetings, and the first one I walked into, it... Um, they said the right things to me because they told me that I can love an alcoholic. And where I had come from a family where there weren't any, they just thought that that was a bad person. And I learned in that first meeting that they're not bad people. You can still love them. And so I kept coming back, not as much as I wanted to because I didn't want to have to rely on my in-laws all the time. And Paul still wasn't to the point where I could leave these children with him. And I had my third third child, and it was a little girl this time. And here's in my sanity, insanity, kept thinking that things would change. You know, they're just going to change. So, you know, I have this baby, and in all the movies you see, the husband's sitting out there, and he's waiting, and he's the doting father, and he comes to check on you in the hospital, and... You know, Paul's there for the birth and he's gone. I mean, my folks even had to bring me home with some of the children from the hospital. You'd think, wake up, call here, you know. I guess I'm just a slow learner. <laughs> but anyway, so um, he did the same thing. And I should really have been surprised, you know. But I just decided things were going to change. I wasn't at the point yet that I was ready to leave because... I knew that when I, if I threatened that I'm going to leave, that meant I really had to do it. I had to follow through. That was another thing I had learned, you know, is that you have to follow through. So I started hitting the Al-Anon meetings harder, and it really worked because I learned not to be a bottle counter. I learned that um, some things I have to do for myself. I don't have to get wrapped up in all of his things. And so that saved our marriage, because at that point I, went, I was really debating, you know, what am I going to do here? This is not good for these little kids to see this. And I'm not a well person either. And so um, I think that played on him. They say, oh, if you come, if you come, they may come too. They may see change in you, and, and it, it will help. And I didn't count on that, because I had also learned there's not lies at Al-Anon. Some of the women were still living with alcoholics. And so I knew that that wasn't necessarily a guarantee that, you know, he would change. But I thought, I've got to do this for me, and I've got to do this for my children. So I kept going, and um, uh, I just had told him, you know, I'm not sure how long I can handle living like this anymore. I'm not telling you what you have to do. I'm just telling you what I have to do. You know, you, you have to start thinking about what you're going to do. And so um, I came home, I took the kids, and I came home, it was on a Saturday, and of course Saturday is one of those days when you really have to start early, you know, <laughs> when you're working around the house, you, you got to cool off, and so he had started pretty early, and um, I came home Saturday afternoon, and I had only been gone for about an hour, and I came home, and he was laying unconscious in the backyard, and I couldn't wake him up and I looked over there and there was a bottle empty bottle of tequila and I know he must have downed it in an hour because I had been there before that and I was so petrified I thought oh god now what do I do what do I do 
So I called my father-in-law, because he only lives two blocks away. <laughs> and he came down, and um, now that I have children, I can only imagine the panic that was in his heart when he walked up and saw what he saw. And he said, quick, get the coffee. And he was just literally pouring it, pouring it in him. And we got him to revive. And we got him up and got him going. And and um, so, you know, he, he, he says, well, this was going to be the last one. I decided to quit drinking, and that was going to be the last one. Well, we know when you don't have um, the rest of it, you just, you know, it's a powerful disease. And... So that didn't, that didn't end it either. We, he continued to drink, and I continued, you know, my insanity. It wasn't quite so bad because I did focus on me, focus on the children. I um, couldn't come to meetings quite as often as, as what I wanted to, but I thought, well, you know. Um, by this time, I had our fourth child and another little girl, and... Um, the finances. Paul and I, early in our marriage, and most of the way through our marriage, that was one thing we never really thought about was was money. Things just kind of worked out for us, and you know that wasn't a big problem. But now it was getting to be a problem because there wasn't any, <laughs> and there was absolutely nothing. And you know where is it going to come from? Um, and so about this time, he, um, my little girl, wasn't wasn't too old and um, he bought a pickup because he needed a pickup and I'm thinking here's our insanity again I just you know would breathe deep again and swallow and decide well things are going to work out well like I told you before in our story um, Paul was always at home so I never had to go out and find him check the bars I, I didn't ever have to do that scene and um, it, it was not fun to have the kids watch him, you know, fall asleep. But, you know, at least I, I didn't have to wonder when he was coming home or where he was. Well, all of a sudden, uh, oh, about three or four nights in a row, he didn't come home. And um, by this time, I had... Um, backing up in my story I'd always been raised with a God in my life and it's real easy to rely on God when you don't have problems when you're in high school and all these kind of things and you don't have problems and it's the same God that I rely on him in a, in a totally different way I, I turn everything over I try to I'm not saying I've got this program down perfect but I try to try to turn everything over and so I just I was at the breaking point and I said okay God what do I do? You know, I, I don't know what to do. I'm here to listen. You tell me. I, I can't imagine that you gave us these four beautiful children just to break us up. But if that's what it what it is, that's what it is. You know, let, let me know what, it, what the answer is. And because I just thought, oh, I'm not going to get into that wondering every night. Because after he had um, shaved his head, I went into the insanity of... If I stay up with him late enough and make sure he comes to bed, we won't have that problem. You know, so I'd be working and I'd get up earlier than him, you know, to get everything done. And then I'd be sitting up there till 1 or 2 in the morning trying to make sure that, you know, he wouldn't do anything stupid. So it's just like, oh, man. 
But anyway, um, another thing I was not raised with was guns in the house. And um, I, I guess the unknown scares you, and I, I'm, I'm afraid of guns, and Paul has a handgun. And um, after he shaved his head, I got rid of it. I, I gave it to his, um, his father and said, take care of this, and I don't want it around. I don't need it around. I was never afraid of Paul for myself. He never, ever laid a hand on me or anything like that. So I was never afraid. I was afraid of what he'd do to himself. And so when he found out about that, he got very angry, and he went and got his gun back. So I play the hiding game all over. You know, I, if I hide it, he won't be able to find it, and da-da-da-da. And by this time, I've got the little kids. So one night, he wanted it, and I said, oh, please, the kids are awake. Don't, I want to show them what it is, da-da-da-da-da-da. So he took the gun, and he was trying to make an impression on my oldest child that guns can kill you. And he pretended that he shot himself. And he wouldn't move. And I have my oldest crying again, Daddy, Daddy, wake up, wake up. And I thought, this is enough. I have had it. This is, this is where we're all done. I, and I told him, you clean up your act or I can't stay because I'm not having my children go through that. And I'm not going through that. So um, the other thing I had, one thing I had been smart about is... Um, Early in our marriage, he had drank some whiskey, and he was very ornery and very nasty, super nasty. And Paul's probably the mellowest, nicest guy a person can know, but he turned that way, and I had told him, I'm not living with this. If you want to drink beer, drink beer, but I'm not going to live with the, the hard stuff because you are mean and you are nasty when you do that, and I won't do that. So he always stayed away from that. It, might have taken him a lot more beer, but that was okay because he was a nice drunk. <laughs> he wasn't mean or nasty. So after I had told him, um, you know, that I, I had had enough or whatever, he decided he was going to do the um, finish it up stuff again. You know, well, I'll have one big last thing and that'll be it. And he'd gone through the beer, and I had rum that I used for my favorite cake. <laughs> and he scourged through the thing and found that, and he started drinking that. And I went downstairs, and I said, this is it. I will call. I will get you help. I will do whatever you need to do, and I will be there for you through it. But I'm not. This is, I said, you know, I've lived through this for 13 years now, and, and I'm not going to do it. So you have to decide what you'll do. I said, I will call, because I knew there was an AA number in the book. I said, I will call somebody for you right now. Will you talk to them? And um, God was totally with us because he was drunk, and they tell you never do, <laughs> do this when somebody is drunk. But I had just reached my breaking point. And he said, yes, he would talk to somebody. So I got on the phone, and... Um, we were really, really fortunate because um, since I was a woman calling, and I didn't say it was for my husband, I just said I needed, you know, needed some help. They had given us uh, a woman's phone number, or however that works. I, I can't remember exactly. And um, I explained to her it was for my husband, and she says, "Oh, just a minute." Well, we were fortunate; we've got a home that had a his and her. <laughs> 
And so the, the husband came on the line and he, he got my husband to commit to going to the meetings. And um, he came the next day and, and he picked my husband up and um, he hasn't had a, a drink since then. And I know that, um, you know, that's, that's a God thing. Um, we were really fortunate that he didn't have to go through a treatment center and we um, were so fortunate that we didn't lose each other in what we have. Um, we had, um, he had about a year in and I became pregnant again and we called this one our serenity baby because he was there through the whole thing too. You know, he was really there, more than in just body. And um, all of our children are the joys of our lives, but she's truly, truly special. And he wakes up in the mornings, and he totally enjoys her, and we can enjoy her together. And, um, you know, after you have a new baby, you get really stressed out again. And um, just because he quit drinking, the financial problems didn't quit. <laughs> and so, um, but that was okay. That, you know, we started to become a team where we could talk to each other. I didn't scream at him, so he didn't have to close his ears. And um, Paul is the best selective listener you've ever <laughs> seen in your life. And I'm sure I, I got him to that point. And, um, but finally I said, you know, I said, your meetings are, are, are wonderful for you. And I said, I don't want to take those away from you. But I said, I need them too. And he says, well, yeah, but, you know, I can't take it or it's baby. And I'm like, you know, you're 35, 36 years old. I think you can take care of a baby for an hour. I think you can handle this now. And so he made the commitment for me. And so now I'm, I'm able to go on a, on a regular basis. And, and sometimes it's, it's, uh, it's good because there's nights when it's icky out and I'm thinking, by the time I've got homework done and supper done and kids done, I think, oh, and he's like, I'm here, you go. And he just kicks my butt out the door. And, you know, that's when I really need it. It's, it's when you don't think you need to go that, that you really, really, really do need to, to go. And um, I just um, thank God every day that... The God I have now is the same God, but I have a, a different relationship with this God than I did when I was growing up. Um, now that I, I realize that um, what I have comes from Him, and what I um, I uh, if there's things I don't want to do, it's like when I was asked to speak, it was not the number one thing on my list to do is speak in front of a group of people and I just thought, well God's put this one before me. He thought he thought I could handle this and there and there must be a reason for it. And there part of the reason has been revealed this morning as I was going through my um, some of the things that I wanted to say, some of the pieces fit together for me that, you know, I I uh, didn't realize, you know, I was in denial for so long about him being, having a problem that the pieces just kind of clicked for me this morning, you know, that, that this is the thing. And I also need to keep coming back to Al-Anon because um, 
hopefully some somebody I, I newcomers are, have a special place in my heart because I remember that they saved my marriage if I hadn't gone in and the, um, the group that was there that night said you know it's okay to love this alcoholic um, I had so much pressure from outside I probably would have probably would have divorced him I, I, I don't think our marriage would have survived the pressure I had all the way around and so I really do credit this program for saving saving my marriage you know even before he was ready to come it, it did save save our marriage and I also um, reap the benefits more than just the fact that he's not drinking I reap the benefits um, I've been such a tried to be such a controlling person in everybody else's life for so long that I tried to fix everybody else's problems when I couldn't fix my own and um, I was just in everybody's business you asked me and I could tell them how to fix it <laughs> and so you know he's there kind of as a guideline he doesn't get into my program but he's as a guideline you know is that really your deal and it's like no that's not and I can drop that so I have a lot more time now to focus on my family and me and me trying to be a better person and that's the one thing I, another thing I really like about this program is I like myself better um, I, I've got total acceptance here. I can be who I really am. I don't have to be uh, the perfect daughter-in-law, the perfect daughter, the best mommy in the world. Um, the other people that have reaped the benefits are my children. Um, not only do, I'm not saying I'm perfect, my anger still is quick to flare, but um, they don't see as much of the screaming and the ranting and raving and the other thing that this program has allowed me to do is let my children be and me stepping back out of their lives I mean I'm their mommy and I'm in there but um, you know when you have children you just kind of label them and decide what they're going to be <laughs> and so I've been able to step back from from doing that not always you know but um, I just, they can be who, who they are. And um, so life today is so much better. I'm not saying every day is the most perfect day when I wake up. I still have good days, bad days. Um, my relationship sometimes with my higher power goes in cycles. Some days I'm just clicking and it's right on and I just... In, he, he's the center of my life I ask him for all my help and then there's the days when I think I'm still going to do it on my own and uh, something needs to be put in my way to knock me back down to size and call upon my higher power for, for the help that, that I need but the wonderful thing is is by coming to the meetings that doesn't get so far out of hand it's not so far in between when I call on my my higher power and help and and um, like I said I one other thing I just I totally have a soft spot spot for the newcomers because I just think um, sometimes when I don't really feel like speaking it seems like boom there's something in my head and I'm thinking that's God trying to have me help another person and um, so when I walk out of a meeting I really hope that even if it's a word or two I've said has has help somebody else so 
that, that's what I hope for when I come, not only from that, but gaining the, the strength and hope from the other people, even on, you know, bad days when I know I really need to, to get there. So that's all I have to say. Thank you very much. I appreciate it.